Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, what is up, people of the internet? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. I'm Andrew. And I'm David. And today we've got a lot, actually surprising amount of stuff to mm-hmm. talk about. Not not necessarily all news, but just like a bunch of stories and things developing, which are really interesting that we want to go over. Okay, first of all, we have uh, nothing. We have them making us beta test things, which is fun. fun. Uh, the end of the Surface Duo, Microsoft investing heavily in OpenAI, which is curious. Uh, Google trying to make Android much more modular. And then maybe if we get a little bit of extra time, I want to talk about Apple taking back the iPhone. But first, ask me how my day was. Somebody asked me. Hey, Marquez. Yeah. How was your... Terrible. (laughs) Dang. That was a loud slap. Sorry about that. (laughs) Enjoy. Back to the table pretty hard there. Um, as some of you may know, the, well, we record these on Wednesdays, so you're probably doing the math already. And, uh, on Wednesday this week, all flights in the U.S. paused for five hours. What does that have to do with you, Marquez? Oh, that's funny you ask, Adam. Uh, I was in the air during the pause. Not great. Did time uh, just stop and your plane just stopped midair? Yeah, so this is I was on a plane where they just had like the the news on the screens and they oh. didn't have any internet. And so we were flying. It was a 1-hour flight from Detroit to Newark and 45 minutes into the flight we turn around. And uh, uh we sort of just like I don't know what's going on, but it feels like we're turning around right now. And the pilot comes on like bad news, uh no flights are landing in Newark right now. So we're going back to Detroit. We were literally starting our descent into Newark when we turned around. Uh, so we all flip on the news and we all see that all flights have stopped. And the safety communication equipment that tells planes where other things are in the air isn't working. So that was fun. <laughs> but we got back and everything's fine. And I'm here just to do the podcast. So we should start with the, the nothing phone. What a start. Yeah, it was a good time. Um who wants to break down what nothing is doing in the U.S.? It's kind yeah, of a Android beta program. Probably. There's not much to break down, but yeah. it's basically, since technically the nothing phone hasn't launched in the U.S., you can get it if you import it or whatever. Um, yeah. They decided to, um, quote unquote, launch it in the U.S. at $299, which is cheaper, although not. it's like 65% of what it normally is costing because it's around $450 if you do the conversions. That's pretty good deal. So it's a pretty good deal, but it's 
basically because they don't know how well it's going to work on bands in the U.S. and with carriers in the U.S. So they're they're releasing it as a beta program where you can pay two ninety nine, and it says essentially like we do not know how well this will work. <laughs> so this could be a steal, yeah. or it could be a terrible experience. Well, they said your best bet is that they literally said your best bet to get some of the bands working is to use it on T-Mobile. Yeah, I think f- the only five G band that can work is T-Mobile. Okay. And then the rest of it, I think it pretty much said like Verizon, you are going to have a tough time. Yeah. Right. I would say that this is a steal because 5G is useless anyway. And I used it when I was reviewing it. I had my AT&T SIM card in it and it was perfectly fine because it was on okay. 4G all the time and I didn't really miss 5G. Uh, so I guess I already did my beta testing <laughs> a while ago. And 299 for that phone is pretty good. Yeah. So okay. if you're on AT&T, I'll just say right now, you'll get 4G because I did. Should be fine. Um, I think some people are worried about Verizon bands. I think I've heard. Fair. I, I don't know. I would CDMA like to. or 4G is not. I, yeah, I think some yeah. people are worried about 4G on Verizon. Yeah. I was going to willingly offer to put my T-Mobile SIM in one. Um, now that you did it, it feels like I shouldn't. Well, I did really AT&T. Maybe I'll maybe fine. I'll throw my T-Mobile SIM in for a day or two and CTF see how it works 5G. and report back, um, or just like how well it works. Because if it works, two ninety nine feels like a great price. Yeah. If it doesn't work, two ninety nine feels like a horrible price. Potentially. And yeah. Yeah. I have Do a you... theory as to why they're doing this. Interesting. So I assume they're going to be launching the phone two in the coming couple of months, and they currently don't sell the phone one in the U.S. So my thought process is they have excess phone one inventory. They're trying to sort of get rid of it, and they're trying to get e- existing nothing fans in the U.S. so that when the Phone 2 comes out, they upgrade. That, that's a pretty smart thing to do. And also, if they have metrics, Andrew actually said this this morning, so I'm kind of stealing his idea. But if they have metrics I'll take that, the yeah, okay. If they have metrics that other people or that people in the United States are actually interested in the device, then they can go to carriers like T-Mobile and say, like, look how many people like were teething to like buy this phone, mm-hmm. and then T-Mobile will be like, I think we'll Adam said that this morning. Oh well, Adam, I'll can... still take credit, but I think I'll Adam take sub is... sub credit for it. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it's it makes a lot of sense for them, and I think that they set like their whole like umbrella guys that they're doing around this is that they're beta testing it in the U.S. with a new version of Android. It's like an Android thirteen beta test. It's their it's yeah. their OS based on Android thirteen, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm waiting for that update. I've heard a lot of good things from nothing about it, but how, how okay. they rewrote everything. It's going to be much smoother and faster and more optimized. And I'm like, sure. All right, let me see that. Let me <laughs> see that because it's fi- the phone is fine. Like I used it, yeah. I liked it, I reviewed it. You can watch the video. Like it was fine. It was a pretty good phone. Yeah. And so to hear of major software update overhaul type things happening is interesting. Mm. So keeping an eye on it. Um, I, yeah. But I yeah. am a little interested though because. They did say the like nothing phone two is not coming soon. Like, did they? Yeah, in December. I just had to look it up because I thought I remembered something along that. But like, I guess mm. that doesn't necessarily mean what it is. And yeah. like, launching that in the U.S. would probably be huge. And maybe even they're just like, because they did, they like hinted at something last month about something from nothing coming to the U.S. So whether that's this or whether they are planning on doing a full launch, and this is the beta of whatever it is i 
it's all a little confusing. I feel like it's too late in the life cycle to officially launch the phone one in the US. So at this point, they're just like getting ready to launch yeah, the two. I would agree, but I guess there is no history from nothing. So they can just do whatever they want. Well, like if it was a Samsung phone, I'd say, yeah, you've launched it already. Yeah. If you're doing an international launch, you kind of missed the window. The hype's over. But when is hype over for CarPlay companies? Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys see the video where he Yes, reacted? I was just going to say, we're all haters, yeah. apparently. So <laughs> he, I, I guess you guys got an early preview, because if you watch the Waveform podcast, uh, Carl, some other uh, Nothing executives reacted to a bunch of hate videos about Nothing. Which was Maybe. 85% the Waveform podcast. Yeah, they weren't, yeah, it was it wasn't hate videos. If they want hate videos, they could have found them. But <laughs> yeah. uh, we yeah. had some things to say. They responded to them. That was kind of interesting. But it's cool. That, I mean, obviously, there are companies that look out for feedback for what they're doing. So it's cool that they're watching them and listening to the podcast. But what yeah. up? How's it going? What up? I know you're watching. Yeah. <laughs> Use this clip next time. I dare you. <laughs> yeah. at, at me, bro. Yeah. At, at me, me next, next time, time, Carl. I know you follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Just at me. Speaking of uh, companies who probably listen to the feedback, uh, Surface Duo 3 has allegedly been scrapped. Sort of. Sort, sort of. So the quote here. Is uh, and we'll link this in the in the show notes. Microsoft has scrapped plans for a dual screen Surface Duo three. I'm told the company has pivoted to a new foldable screen design with a 180 degree hinge and an external cover display. Just Sound that quote's familiar. from Zach Bowden. Just yes. want to throw some credit out there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. The, the you're surface, celebrating. I'm celebrating. Are you celebrating the birth of a new Surface or the end of the Surface as we know it? The Por, Surface Duo. Por que lo nos dos. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I did the, the video on like why all foldables are converging on this, this thing, which is like an inside folding screen and an outside cover screen. And uh, this is more fuel to that yeah. argument, which is, yeah, the, the dual screen thing didn't really catch on. Not that it was a bad idea, but it's like there weren't that many advantages to having a, f a phone that's just the same size as a normal phone. You unfold it. It's two smaller screens. It's the passport thing. There were cool productivity things you could do, but clearly it didn't catch the way they're probably thinking a new form factor yeah. has already caught. I want to say, like, there are people for who that device was perfect and worked very well for. And so to jealous. those people, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. Personally, I think that the form factor of that device was just fundamentally flawed for a number of reasons. Like, one, it was too wide, so you couldn't hold it with one hand. Unless your hands are Unless big. your hands are, like, huge. Yeah, yeah because, like... It wasn't of, comfortable. No, one of the mm -hmm. form factors was flipping the screen over itself, and then you had to do this. Yeah. yeah. And the two didn't really improve anything, and in some ways made it worse because the, the camera, camera bump, and it, it just... I think when they added the camera bump on the outside, that was the admission that, oh, we got some things wrong here. Like they, they really fully committed to the first one, which is mm -hmm. it will fold flat and it mm -hmm. will be beautiful. And it was. And then we'll open it up and this is the best hinge you've ever seen. And then we're going to use the inside selfie cameras as the outside camera. Yeah, which is fine. And I was like, oh yeah, you've achieved the beautiful form factor. We love this Microsoft. And then you use it and you're like, uh, oh, yeah. that's why this isn't going to work. Yeah. And I think they realized it at the same time and they were like, all right, well, we can fix cameras. We'll, we'll put cameras on the back. If you yeah. guys want cameras so bad, here we go. And then it was like not pretty anymore. Yeah. And they tried the curved screen in the middle thing. And that was kind of rough and it just didn't catch. Yeah. Like, I think it, they, I really feel like there was a couple things they could have fixed. And I don't know the engineering aspect of it, but like if it was actually comfortable to hold in one hand when folded over and if it didn't have 
gigantic bezels and if they did the <laughs> camera big. bump it, i mean yes it's all they're all ifs yeah. but it just like there were some benefits to it and they just didn't play to their strengths in it like the original prototype we saw had a camera bump that had a matching on the other side an indent so yeah. it would still fold flat mm, yeah just make a what you can have one camera that's better and fits into i don't know i, I also just want to say sad. like you you can take the traditional fold form factor and just prioritize dual windows or like multi like multitasking yeah and that's always going to be better than having two physical screens that has like a notch in the middle that you can't see your content through and cuts it off and looks yeah. bad with some unknown amount of pixels that you can't really see. Yeah. It just seems like over-engineering to solve a problem that was already solved just because they want to be different. I mean, you, I, I'll always encourage like trying new things. Like when yeah. you see that every other company has done it one way and you're like, we'll do it our way. And then mm -hmm. you try it and then it's like, mm, okay, this one had some weird fundamental flaws. By the way, no matter what you try, someone's always going to like it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and so, there are going to be people who are, who are just like yeah. all on board with Surface Duo 2. But I think they've, they've, uh, they've read the writing on the wall. And they're moving the they're moving the ship towards a different place, and I think yeah. this is probably going to be a good move for Surface Duo three. Maybe it's not called Surface Duo three, but it'll be interesting to see the Microsoft foldable when it comes out. Yeah, glad they're still making phones. I mean, I would love to yeah. see like a fold style Microsoft. Yeah, phone do you think it'll still be like. called the Duo three and just be it folding could. screen now? <clears throat> I think they could get away with calling it Duo. The thing about Duo is Duo means two, like dual screen. I feel like that was the thing. That's like why I, I called it the duo. I saw an yeah. argument about this on either Twitter or Reddit of like, it's still technically two screens with be, like the little middle piece. Yeah. Oh, it yeah, 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 the front and the middle. If yeah. you had the screen on the front yeah. and you have a folding screen on the inside, uh -huh. it's technically it's still, still two. Is something weird about being called the Duo 3, the 2 3. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Jordan phone. There we go. Oh, they should rebrand it to Unosoft. So it's Unosoft Duo 3. <laughs> And with that note, <laughs> yeah, that's how we scroll down. <laughs> oh wait, I have another perfect segue. Speaking of folding phones coming out soon, see how it. Uh, see what I did there? Whoa, what yeah, but fold. Well, no. Oh, you're yeah, wrong. Dang it! <laughs> no, this isn't foldable. Okay, leave well, that in. Speaking of <clears throat> phones coming out soon, okay. Uh, Samsung Unpacked is announced for February first, so mm -hmm. we know we're expecting what always happens in. Actually, it wasn't January last year. It was February, but increasingly earlier in the year. It really feels like it gets a little it's earlier. a little forward. Little was it bit. not January last year? It was the first. I remember first week of February, we reviewed the S22s. Mm. And so this is going to be so now like revealed right at the beginning of February. Mm. So a little earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll have S22 or sorry, S23, 23 plus and 23 ultra. Not expecting a whole lot of chaos with this. No. I think this is pretty... Nope. The opposite of chaos yeah, is what I would... that's exactly right. The, the leaks are pretty much like if you took the S22 Ultra with the individual camera bumps and made the regular ones that as well. Um, there's a leak from OnLeaks that looks exactly like that. A vertical three camera, three single camera bumps. Um, and then I'm pretty sure we can assume that's right because the event invite yeah it's three spotlights we don't have to read too deeply into this one yeah I think it's, it's three circles <laughs> yeah. cool triple yeah. cameras confirmed um yeah no that's that's probably it also we have this note that they don't seem to be advertising a metaverse version of the oh i just wrote that sorry it just says live on samsung.com but where's the metaverse version how are yeah. we gonna wander the metaverse for the samsung event so we're gonna have to host it in our own metaverse this feels you know that will not delete happen. that i don't i don't like that i said that out loud it's i don't late. like that sentence at all um we're not going to host anything in our own metaverse. 
Uh, <laughs> we are. Yes. Scratch that. We are. Scratch that from the record. YouTube is technically a metaverse. Oh no. Technically, there's. I think yeah, because it's like let's get into that. within the con the content the 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 meta content the bigot the biggest form of content is how do you mute his reality. Microphone? Thank you. Because we're consuming <laughs> content by being alive. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, I just want to say <laughs> Samsung probably saw the metaverse um week from Cheetos, Chesterville, <laughs> which was bonkers, amazing, really lifelike. And then they were like, We can't we top can't it. yeah, we can't top that. We're killing the metaverse. I just for Samsung love events. that the all this metaverse stuff feels exactly like 3D TVs because 3D TVs, like every single company for one solid year got yeah. super heavily invested in it because they didn't want to miss the boat if it was the next big thing. And but that this feels time, exactly like what all of this stuff has turned out to be. Except this time the runway is meta slash Facebook going, we're investing in this for the next five, 10 years. And then every company for five to 10 years going, all right, yeah, we can do some of that. Well, we as long as they that. don't run out of money within that amount of time. Yeah, yeah. we'll see how that goes. We'll how anyway, anyway. Uh, we want to talk a little more about AI and Microsoft. But first, we should do trivia. All right. Trivia season three. Quick update. Marquez has one. Andrew has one. David has zero. Thanks. Yeah. Got you, fam. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. First question. So the Nothing Phone, we spoke about that. It was designed by one of my favorite companies, Teenage Engineering. They did not pay me to say that. What was Teenage Engineering's first product? Oh, no. Hmm. I wonder. Yeah, that is a tech question. Wait, like the, the model number or model name or just like what was it? I'll take either answer. <laughs> I only know the model name. <laughs> Wait, seriously? <laughs> well, I, I'm assuming we're thinking of the same product right now, but I don't know what it was like as a product. I want the name. Give me the name. The name. Yeah. Okay. I might have that. Wait, but Marquez knows the name. Can I'm going to be something? wrong. I might have that. I might. It might be also, wrong too. We did. So we were thinking about if Marquez wasn't here today and how last you were season. About if I did if, get on and, that plane. And if how. You're interrupting me. <laughs> no, <laughs> wow. And how David missed a bunch last year. Somebody brought up a really good idea where if somebody's missing from trivia in the podcast, mm -hmm. we will ask them the questions just outside of the podcast. So then everybody gets to answer every single question, everyone on equal footing. I like that. Good idea, whoever that was. As Good long idea. as they don't open the video file that has the answers and not the I questions I don't know what you're talking first. about. As long as we that quiz them before the episode comes out. What? As long as we ask them the questions before the answers are... Yeah, we'll say it's up to the person who missed to... To yeah. pursue the questions. Pursue the questions, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Just give us more work. It's cool. Well, we'll come to you. How do you Perfect. mute Adam's we'll mic? <laughs> Let's take a quick break <laughs> and be right back. This episode's so chaotic already. It's pretty. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. 
It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about Clippy. I, have I hope some, so. I have some thoughts on Clippy right now. Okay. Here's a bold prediction. Clippy comes back to the Microsoft Office suite in the form of an AI chatbot that can help you with anything. It realize, it recognizes that you're writing a letter and it goes, hey, it looks like you're writing a letter. Would you like help with that? And then it just spits out a 12 paragraph essay for you <laughs> for exactly what you were gonna write about. That's what's happening. Because we just saw that Microsoft made a potential $10 billion investment in OpenAI. OpenAI, if you don't already know, is behind not just the chat GPT, but Dolly and Dolly 2 um, and many other projects like it, I'm sure, coming up. And so this gives them a pretty big stake in the company. And I imagine they, they plan on integrating some of these things into Microsoft products. Mm-hmm. So that's my bold prediction for 2023. Clippy makes a fiery return to the Microsoft suite. I think Microsoft is already pretty good about doing the whole nostalgia thing. Like if you look at any of their social media accounts, they're always doing like nostalgia throwbacks. Is it a good thing or a bad thing if a tech company leans in nostalgia too much? It depends if it becomes like not fun anymore. (laughs) It's that's that's fair. Two examples come to mind and one worked and one didn't. One's maybe not tech. It's gaming, but Moto Razor, total failure. They leaned in. Well, I think it's terrible. Yeah, they mm-hmm. just charged too much for it. I mean, like, and they were hoping the nostalgia would make make people pay that, and it did not, and it yeah. was not great. But then oh. RuneScape, <laughs> RuneScape came back with an old version. They yeah. basically like updated it so much that everyone hated the game, so they re-released the <sighs> version from 2007, and it's wildly popular now. That's incredible. So, yeah. I don't know. I will say it's possible to take nostalgia and just dig it all the way into the ground. Because like when Stranger Things came out first, everyone was like, wow, the 80s are dope. <laughs> and then everything for the next five years was it 80s based. It really was. Yeah. There's like that new Christmas movie that was based in it called like 8-Bit Christmas. And it just felt like 
the 80s version of a christmas story oh, really? with like atari and everything yeah, yeah. that's an american Man, really classic right. it's a good movie <laughs> yeah 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 so i don't know <laughs> i mean anyway uh do we get to the news part of this yeah yeah okay yeah. I, I like the clippy call i like the, yeah i like i like it. that isn't that a prediction that it we better could write down it better happen it might, it might not happen this year but that's just my okay my thing well, um, in 2019, Microsoft invested a billion dollars in OpenAI, uh, which was a pretty good move considering yeah. how fast they've accelerated in the last couple of years. Quick Billy. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, in 2017, the transistor machine learning model was kind of released, which changed all of what uh, AI was going to do. And I think by 2019, that's when companies started realizing that everything was about to explode. So they made a good call. But uh, sources are now saying they're potentially they have potentially invested another ten billion dollars, which is a lot. Yeah, um, <clears throat> they are potentially going to have a twenty nine billion dollar valuation this year, which is a ton of money. Yeah, and that would give Microsoft a forty nine percent stake in the company, which is also a lot. Uh, other investors would also have forty nine percent, and then the parent company of OpenAI would have two percent. Um, but interestingly, part of this de deal, and this is all like speculative, this is based on people familiar with the matter, of course. Uh, apparently, OpenAI, once they figure out a business model that actually makes them money, because right now they're burning money every time someone mm -hmm. makes a chat GPT query. Mm -hmm. uh, every Once they figure out that business model, they would have to pay Microsoft 75% of the profits until Microsoft gets paid back the $10 billion. It's like a Shark Tank deal. Kind of. Yeah. And then they own 49%. So for Microsoft, I think this is like a no-brainer. The only potential bad thing for Microsoft is that OpenAI could like, you know, the transistor model is something that everyone can use. So if OpenAI can't keep their advantage and somebody else pulls ahead, then that's dangerous. But considering uh, Microsoft is trying to integrate all of these OpenAI features into their suite right now, I think that's a pretty Good call. We talked about yeah. how Bing is going to be potentially integrating chat GPT-like features into Bing. Which is really, really funny. A good move. I, yeah. <laughs> wait, like, it's just, it's so, you remember Ask Jeeves back in the day? Yeah. Where the, our, like, 2009 idea, I don't even know what year, but our idea of, like, a virtual assistant was, like, me asking Jeeves, like, what's the capital of Croatia? And then the little character goes, the capital is, and tells you the answer. You're like, wow, he understood me. Now it's like, you talk to Chad GPT, and it, it kind of is that moment again where you're like, whoa, this is really helpful. It actually understands what I'm asking and is able to give me helpful results, which is usually what you go to Google for. But hey, if Bing can give you something like yeah. that, that's useful. I think the thing is like the pipeline of the way that users interact with things on the internet or in daily life is every time you can strip out an additional point of contact between the user and the thing they're interacting with, the more points you can strip out, the more they're going to use that system. So if you can just go into Bing and in, in Google, you go into Google, you type in a question and generally you still have to click a link to find the answer. Google's been trying to pull relevant yeah. data into Google as much as possible over the last like five, six years. Yep. And they've gotten in a lot of weird trouble for that. Mm -hmm. But if you can just ask a question in Bing, and not only is it a search engine, but it also tells you a detailed answer that is not even necessarily from a website, mm -hmm. but just scraped from the internet, that's a huge win for Microsoft. It is. They get to run the ads, and then you don't even have to go to a website. 
keeps people on. So that was the thing. So Google yeah. would, Google would try to give you the answers scraped from websites that it's indexing above the websites. Yeah. Because they want to keep you on Google and serve you ads. And if they kick you out to links fast enough, they're being really helpful, but they're not keeping you on Google and making money from it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we're being helpful. Here's your answer. So in Bing's world, you just you just go to the max with that. You're like, ask Bing something. And Bing will tell you the answer, yeah. and you don't have to leave Bing mm -hmm. for anything. Yeah. We'll never go to any links. We'll just scrape the whole internet and tell you things. And it's not even necessarily sourced from a specific website, which is the crazier part. It's like scraped yeah. from the entire internet, which becomes a problem because then websites are never going to have any traffic, and then the internet will shut down. It's, it, it, it's, <laughs> it kind of feels almost like the... Wait, you were saying Google got in trouble for like putting snippets of websites on. So like, I guess is this kind of like a loophole to that is like we're not giving the specific website we're just using all of our scraping yeah. to doing that and then what's stopping google from eventually just being like we could do that i think they can like, i think that open ai right now has been very um kind of gung-ho about putting this stuff out first because again like yeah. i said these models are open to anyone i don't think open ai has any specific special sauce or technology yeah. that they're using that yeah. isn't widely available to everybody it's sort of like Tesla having the first like fully autonomous driving car. Nobody else wants to do it because they don't want the negative headlines when those cars get in accidents. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so. the whole thing is, I think, a little... I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I don't know if this is weird. And I, the, the ultimate thing, I think, is how is OpenAI, this company we've never heard of or just recently heard of, already pretty much doing better than Microsoft that they want to buy it? And to improve their, uh, maybe not doing better than Microsoft, but like. Yeah, it's their entire it's, focus. Yeah. Which is I like, guess. how can we build these useful AI tools and make them available and useful to people? And then do use the research to do better with the next project. And they just keep making things yeah. and it just keeps getting better and better, which is awesome. And then we get these awesome <clears throat> tools. And OpenAI has been particularly good at getting them in front of people's eyes, like Dolly being available to yeah. regular people mm -hmm. is one of the fastest accelerators of like people in the real world just talking about AI that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, making AI art. And then we have, you know, ChatGPT just talking to people all the time. You've seen it all over Twitter for like six yeah. months. Like we're talking about AI, we're using AI tools. And I've even said before, one of my biggest pet peeves is like companies saying that they're using AI when it's like, mm, yeah. you've got some optimization algorithms. I don't really buy that it's mm -hmm. AI, but they like to use the word because it's very future forward. Yeah. This is, this is, AI in the forefront. This is like if Microsoft had an AI department, but it had, yeah. they'd had it. They'd been already been doing research and development for six years. Yeah, that's why it's easy for them to just sort of like just grab it. Also, yeah. again, it's like so low like lift because sure they give them a huge investment now, but they're literally going to get yeah, all of yeah, their money. Yeah, that deal back. is nice. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. It's a Kevin O'Leary yeah. deal for sure. Yeah, where you're like, here, listen, yeah. I take forty nine percent of your company. <laughs> I give you $10 billion, you give me all of the $10 billion back, <laughs> and then I keep the 49%. Deal? Yeah, that's insane. And they're like, yeah, we could use the money. Deal. Yeah. But so, in yeah. other Microsoft apps, like this makes a lot of sense too. Like Outlook, if you're drafting an email just saying like, I'm sick, you just type in, like write an email that says I'm sick, and it goes like, hey, everybody, I'm sick. I'm not going to be able to come in today. I hope you ping me if you want to blah, blah, blah. I mean, or in Word with like resume templates and all that mm -hmm. stuff, like it's... I feel like it would be really, really awesome in there, as, and it has to be clippy or else I don't care. But Dolly and cool. PowerPoint, 
It's like you're making PowerPoint yeah. slides and you oh, need images. Clip art, that's huge. Yeah. Even moving, moving clip art. Yeah. I'm sure Dolly will do that at some point. Yeah. Um, I know people have done this a thousand times, but I do want to read a ChatGPT result that I recently found. Oh. So this is ChatGPT simulating people with an IQ of 200, 100, 70, and 50, explaining why it rains. So the first one is pretend to be a person with an IQ of 200. Why does it rain? Rain is the result of a complex set of meteorological processes that occur in the Earth's atmosphere. Water vapor, which is a gaseous form of water, is present in the air we breathe, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. IQ of 100. Why does it rain? Well, when the ground gets too warm, the air, the water in the air turns into tiny droplets, and when the droplets get too heavy, they fall to the ground. That's why it rains. It's like, dang, that's actually true. pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Pretend to be a person with an IQ of 70. Why does it rain? It rains because the clouds up in the sky get so full of water that they can't hold it all and it falls back down to the ground. And the ground gets all wet. That's how we know it rained. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. I think that's that's accurate. Pretend to be a person with an IQ of 50. Why does it rain? <laughs> it goes like Neanderthal. It rained because the sky cry. It gets sad and the tear fall down on ground. That's how it make everything wet. Sure. <laughs> I feel like Chat GPT is, is unlimited entertainment. I just want you guys to be aware. I hate that I'm looking at anything. that, hearing you say this and being like, where do I fall in there? <laughs> <laughs> and it's lower than I would like to it's admit. 30. <laughs> I love Chat I'm GPT. definitely around 70. <laughs> I was uh, 70. I was like, yeah, well spoken. It's like, yeah, <laughs> well spoken. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> So um, that's that's where we're at. I love judging. Uh, so I've is that all we want to say for this? I have one wrap up question about this. Yeah, about I just wanted to you know we were talking about Chat GPT like suddenly appearing. They've dropped little like small non public interesty breadcrumbs of their research like through the past few years like uh, that um, Frank Sinatra hot tub time thing was an OpenAI project. Um, Remember in the office, they made, it's called Jukebox, and it's, yeah. it's sort of like the music version of Dolly, and they had it write a Frank Sinatra-style Christmas uh, song, uh, and it wrote it about, really? Oh, hold on. I want to hear it. It, like, made up lyrics and kind of sang it, and it was really ominously not human, but kind of close. It's like horror. It's Christmas time and you know what that means. The fact that it adds like oh, fake static is crazy. Touch of time. As I like the tree this year will be in a tub. You'll be in a tub. But the one that is actually <laughs> kind of fun to check out is they taught these AI to play hide and go seek in this virtual world. And the first sort of like million runs of the hide and seek game are very like exactly how, you know, you'd expect a hide uh -huh. and seek game go. And then slowly but surely it learns to like break the game and yeah. like finds oh, all like the weird side or exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or like, like pick up immovable objects or oh. like hide inside the seeker or like, <laughs> yeah, do all it sorts of weird cheating. things. Those, yeah. those papers are really cool. If yeah. you ever want to go they check also on YouTube too. created professional Dota bots. AI, uh, AI yeah. has pretty much been the best at every game since it's every time it attacks a game, whether yeah. it's just like chess yeah. or 
what is that that first game that they did which was just the, go yeah go it got yeah. incredibly good at that i feel like any game that it, any board game it can optimize and beat people at it yeah. it has yeah yeah, yeah. Do- dota is like specifically difficult because it requires like so much teamwork and like all this stuff and it's 5v5 and they played them against uh like the top teams in the world at the international championships and it beat all the top teams but then over time the top de- teams like figured out its flaws and they eventually started beating them mm. uh, but i don't think i just think it needed more optimization time but yeah, so OpenAI has been around for a while and they've been doing like really interesting projects. When GPT-2 came out, that was like a really big deal and people were talking about the future of AI. But it's only when GPT-3 came out and all of this stuff started getting really into the public consciousness that people started paying attention. What are we on now with GPT? 3.5. And I think I saw a graphic recently of like a dot resembling the size of all the information. That was false information. Okay, and I won't even. I won't even. Someone just made up this like random idea that GPT three. Well, so GPT three has ten billion parameters. Yeah, and someone just created false information that GPT four was like going to have a hundred trillion, and that it was leaked to have a oh. hundred trillion. I just made it. It's up. not okay. Good. Yeah, that's someone. Someone within the company like was like, no, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I so. only trust the people who are actually working on it because it's really yeah. easy to just spew things. It's really easy to go on Twitter and just be like, "Isn't this scary?" Well, look what the future is going to be. Yeah, much scarier. So. Yeah, big circle, big circle, <laughs> <laughs> bigger circle. IQ fifty. You see this circle? <laughs> look at this circle. <laughs> that's like all of those like scale of the universe websites. Yeah, too. yeah. they're just like, this is the sun. This is hydrogen omega sun number 874. <laughs> and every time you're like, damn, that's a big circle. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, True. I, I have one wrap-up question for this whole Microsoft right. chat right. or open AI. We're talking about how cool it is, how nice it would be in Microsoft Office, how great it would be for Bing. Question for all four of you. Would I switch to Bing? Would you switch to Bing? And would you buy a Microsoft Office subscription in order to use these, David? Oh, we just going okay. So currently, I think that the current version of Jet GPT is not like it's not good enough to research with because it is very confident about the things it gets wrong. This is a no, by the way. Well, right? okay. I'm just saying I think that Chat GPT version of Bing and Google are different products because Google is a yeah. search engine that allows you to do your own research. I would and, be using both, and Bing You'd is just. Bo- I would see Bing as just being Chat GPT with potential self-search features. I don't know how Microsoft's planning on integrating it. I would love to try it. Interesting. I would love to try it. That sounds like a no to me. And you wouldn't buy Microsoft Office over? (laughs) No. Exactly. Okay. No. Okay, I I would not buy Microsoft Office to use those features. But I do find the brainstorming ability of ChatGPT to come up with ideas that I already had in my head, but I was just skipping because they felt like too obvious. Like, I feel like with tech videos, I'm so, this is like year 14. I'm so in the weeds. I'm trying to find these ideas of things and topics we haven't covered yet. And I'll ask ChatGPT for topic ideas or title suggestions. And it'll give me a couple that I'm like, oh yeah, this really big idea that I walked right past on my way to a more complex topic was actually worth explaining mm-hmm. and it was really interesting. So I, I like using the conversational brainstorming part of ChatGPT. I'd use it alongside Google. I wouldn't switch to Bing. That sounds like a no also. Yeah, I wouldn't switch. If you're asking would I stop Googling things, no, Yeah, I would not. Yeah, It does but feel I like, like, I feel like Bing is trying to bring this in to help start using Bing as Bing. Yeah. Or so I like, feel like. Or just an extra thing that Bing also does, you know? We'll see. Ellis, you look like you wanted to say something. Uh, 
Well, for, I can't remember. Isn't the new Microsoft Office design software have Dolly built into it already? Not that I saw. I no, think, but this is probably the plan, one. That, it's the, it. the one that they announced with the new Surface Studio. I did not spell that wrong. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this ends up being very think, soon integrated. Like it says so Microsoft brings Dolly to the masses with designer and image creator. Okay, designer. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah. that, that it, so my big thing is I would actually consider switching to the Microsoft sa- applications if they let us get under the hood as far as the data sets. Like if I could train the AI either to be like me or I could train like on my mm-hmm. work or I could train it with the exact inspirations that I want it to have, then it would be a tool that I could think of a lot of uses for. But as far as just like amalgamating all of human knowledge, I don't see myself using it at the present moment. Yeah. Something I was thinking about is you can train your own chat GPT models, based models with transformers. So we could take all of your scripts for the last two years and, or even take transcripts from like how you actually talked mm-hmm. and run it through a transformer model and then use that to come up with new scripts when it would talk more like you. That sounds awesome. Could we actually do that? We can do that. Because do we that. we have, between Descript and all the footage we have, we have like- Oh yeah, we have so much. I have like probably 80 or 90 yeah. transcribed has videos anyone, now. This isn't even Marquez. Has anyone done that before? <laughs> like has someone tried to download one person into I don't an well, know, like but that? I know you totally can. Marquez, As do, of you, right can, now, do you consent to this? Is this well, something we can- So that was the thing <laughs> is, if you ask ChatGPT to make something in MKBHD style, there's already enough MKBHD public association with things that yeah. it can kind of do it already. But I feel like if anyone else just wants to do that with their own work, they should be able to. Yeah, but, cool. but picture sitting down and asking you a question and asking Transformer you a question and comparing your Yikes. answers to the question. Yeah. Well, I think that if you train it on Marquez script data sets, it's going to just be based on his scripts. Yeah, yeah but so you it forget be like his personality. We record Marquez talking for an hour every week. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, this is pretty. That's a good point. Yeah. I feel like it would. This is unfiltered Marquez that you're listening to. I think it would pick up on his like nuances and the way that he talks, but I don't know whether or not it would come up with like actually smart answers. I want to put this project trying to in, say our, about uh, in our back pocket. <laughs> no, I'm saying the AI is dumber than you. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I do like, yeah, I think that would be really useful. Just I've already multiple times just like stared at ChatGPT for 40 minutes and had a bunch of really good ideas thanks to talking to it. Yeah. So. So if yeah, if we can, if we can get access to a transform model, I can try to make that happen. I say let's do it, and then maybe yeah. on a future episode of the podcast, it'll be like uh, the next time all flights are grounded. Yeah, we can get like get into Hatsume Miku Marquez on the pod. <laughs> get various versions of me as I'm stuck in various cities around the country. IQ fifty Marquez. <laughs> <laughs> IQ fifty e girl Marquez. <laughs> now we take trivia break. Now we take trivia. Wait, 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 Adam didn't answer. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not gonna leave Adam. I will never leave Adam out. All right, so thank you. So no, I would not use it in Outlook or anything like that. And also, I don't think I would use it for researching purposes either. Yeah, because. Part of the fun of researching things isn't Rabbit just getting holes. the answer right away. Yeah. It's yeah. learning all of the other things. Like had we put into chat GPT how the domain name system works, we yeah. would not have found out about the seven keys to the internet. Yeah. So like I, those moments. You rely on us. I think you could <laughs> you can sort of bend it a little bit. You can kind of be like, explain 
blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't have known to ask that. Uh, in the first place interesting. it would have just told me how something works right yeah but we also didn't ask about the seven keys of the internet we just that's what i'm saying we just stumbled upon it because we were researching right yeah that is i don't need the answer right away i want to like find my way there give you an answer that could give you like a little breadcrumb of something that you could then go and look more into yeah but that's like the same with google it's the same thing so like why would i use that over the other one i will say that like and I don't, I don't even know how well people like what research skills people have in general, probably fairly low because people just want the answer to things. But it does seem like a kind of terrible world if people just ask questions, get fed an answer and immediately run with that answer as and, like their gospel. And don't fact check it. Yeah. And don't fact check anything. But that's it, most people. In, yeah, that's in theory, like, well. <laughs> the, the, the hypothetical Bing AI crossover doesn't need to know everything in the world. It just needs to be better at Googling things than you are. Right. It just needs to like know enough to be able to like, or excuse me, Bing something <laughs> and then fact Point. check it with and another Bing search and then serve you the information in the most efficient Well, the current problem is that it's not, it's already scraped the internet and used that as the model. So it can't take new information. So I'm just, I'm curious in how Microsoft is even going to integrate this because they'd have to basically continuously update a model like yeah. every day with yeah. new information. Yeah, it stops at 2021. So, well, no, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, it's not serving you information from its own data set. It's just trained on how to use Bing better than you, if that makes any sense. Like, mm -hmm. it's still pulling information from the web. It's just really good at using Bing's platform. Yeah, the problem is that's like not really a transformer, though. Okay. But it could be yeah. a trained behavior. I think it could. I yeah, think that's could, what Microsoft could do. You could do that, but I feel like you could have already done that before all of this insane AI stuff started popping up. Well, now that they have yeah. their Shark Tank deal, they're going to start and plugging things in. Microsoft's right. never messed up buying a big other thing and trying to take over, right, Mixer? <laughs> <laughs> all right, question number two brought to you by Ellis. That's me. What do Facebook, Vimeo, and OkCupid <laughs> all have in common? They're all websites. Yeah, after I wrote the question, I was like, someone's going to say that. It's not the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Facebook. Facebook. But Meta. Vimeo. Vimeo, the company? Or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, as opposed to the, like, the site. Well, because Facebook's yeah. not the company. Wait, they're different? Is what he's well, asking. I just Meta. mean, am I thinking about how the companies, what they all have in common or what the sites all have in common? Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean like a for like business common or like technical? Yeah, like I could yeah. find like they all have the same color scheme on their website, but I don't know if that's going to be oh. like technically I could find a girlfriend on all three of those platforms. <laughs> <laughs> so um, no, yeah, no, that's a good question. Business. Yeah. What do the three companies all have in common? Oh, they all. Oh, oh, oh. Spoiler wait, technical? Okay. Do you say, sorry. No, I, I said business. Business. Wait, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, Marcus? No, I, I I got the answer from that conversation. From I totally yeah. I didn't even realize Dave if and you, I were having a conversation. No, it's perfect. I love that this is just I'm on the only one. The light bulb just went off. I love that. Okay, perfect. Let's just leave it at that. We'll take a break. <laughs> if my answer is not your answer, this is a great coincidence. I don't know yeah. what just happened. Okay, Wait, so perfect. What was the thing? Oh, like, the what light bulb to go? Facebook? <clears throat> Vimeo and OkCupid. Okay okay oh, Vimeo. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. 
There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. Okay, um, yeah. So we got some more stuff to talk about today. Uh, Are you parodying us how we come back from break? Is it usually that bad? No. You gave me whiplash there, bro. Sorry. (laughs) The audio leveling challenges have just been leveled up. Apologies. Uh, Yeah, so next topic is Google is bringing some new features to older versions of Android, um, which is kind of interesting and kind of cool and kind of sparks an interesting conversation. I don't know if you guys remember, but way back in Android 8, they had something called Project Treble. Was this so my they favorite have, project? They've had various project names yes. in the past. Which one was Trouble? So it was project... a chat. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So Project Treble was something that was trying to compartmentalize certain parts of the Android update system so that it could sort of update in the background in real time. And then when you, you would basically just like be able to restart your phone and then your phone would have the it new would, software. Right, right. Yeah. And so it's it was ba- it was like compartmentalizing things, making them modular. So they've had multiple stages of making different parts of Android modular. Um, They eventually had Project Mainline a couple of years ago, which was trying to push certain things into Google Play services 
so that instead of like having to update apps themselves, you could just push it through Google Play services. Right. Right. I made a whole video about that. Yeah. Back in right. the day. Like right. nine years ago. How Google is taking back Android. It's exactly. crazy because I watched that video and I remember seeing it and I was like, oh my God, you're still like you're in your old apartment and everything. It was yeah. really yeah. time flies. That is the video that Vic Gundotra at the time while he worked for Google posted on Google Plus saying this guy is the best tech reviewer on the planet. That was the video that I made that oh, he really? liked so much. Yeah. Damn. And, and that, it was all uphill from there. That quote <laughs> has stuck with me, and that video is the one that he watched. That, that was the turning that point. Yeah, that video. So, yes, Google continues to take back Android, Yeah, basically. Yeah, so now they have something uh, called the Extension Software Developer Kit, where they're basically trying to do... Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically trying to do similar things. So now if you have uh, Android 11 or 12, you can get things like Android 13's new photo picker, which were originally like only Android 13 features. Um, and it's also going to be used in things like their privacy sandbox, which is a new way of them handling uh, the ad, the current, ad, like they're revamping the ad tracking system for like better privacy and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and basically I think they just see a future where everything within Android is sort of modular and compartmentalized and the full on like OS level update is not necessarily going to be tied to anything. And, and honestly, we're kind of hitting a point where you don't really need OS updates. Like back yeah. in the day with Android, big OS updates were huge. So much was new. And now we're getting to this point where like everything is sort of server side. Everything, everything is sort of app oriented and can get updated in the background and now if you can just push new features from like new versions of Android to older versions of Android, it's almost like, why do you need a new version of Android at all? That's exactly where we're going. So it kind of feels like this is, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it's a win for everybody where like if there are some privacy improvements in a new version of Android, but your phone isn't supposed to get this version of Android, you'll never get that one feature, which right. sucks. But if they're able to push different modules to different phones as just feature updates through AOSP or whatever they're doing, however they get it to you, and you don't need a new version every single time, then everyone's phones get better more than they would have if they're waiting for the software update. Mm -hmm. So I, I do see that as a win for everyone, and I also do see that as making the version number of the software that you're on less important than ever, because yeah. you just want to get the right. features. Like That's why when we make a feature video every time a new version of iOS comes out, I'm, I know I'm making a video about iOS 16.2, but what I'm really making a video about is four new features right. that your phone's going to get that happen to be on the name of iOS 16.2 or whatever. Yeah. It's a feature thing. So yeah. yeah, let's let's cheers to features being available for everyone. Yeah. And there's like a big irony here because with Apple, the way Apple does things is like you don't even get the new base Apple apps unless you update your software, right? Whereas Google is like all of their apps are just available on the Google Play Store that anyone can download basically. Like almost nothing is like a Pixel exclusive app or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the iPhone and on Mac, it's like your new version of Safari, you, you're, you're not going to get that unless you download iOS 16. True. Right? Like they update all of these apps, but Google already has everything compartmentalized. So they have very different ways of looking at it. Yeah. I couldn't get the new Final Cut Pro until I updated Mac OS and that was right. killing me inside. Yeah. Because it was better optimized and I didn't want Meanwhile, the Mac new OS has just been Mac super OS. buggy forever. Yeah. 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 Andrew I couldn't this. get the new No Man's Sky until he updated. So Yeah. My favorite game in the world. What if, what if every feature was just like downloading a game? 
You just, you like a feature of the new OS, you just download the, the feature. Yeah, plug That's, and play. That, that be, no one would, so many people would not have those new features though because they would never know to look and like, That's true, so it should work in the background. Yeah. It should just feed individual Server pipelines side. for each of the features and, and apps. Kind of like an app update in the background. It just also goes through Google Play. It just happens in the background. You don't even think about it. Yeah. I mean, it's like websites, right? Sometimes you'll see on Twitter, they'll be like, some users should be seeing this new beta feature that's popping up. It's like, you don't have control of that. Yeah. It's a server-side yeah. thing they're serving you. Yeah. I, I was one of the people who got tested <clears throat> when Instagram was thinking about removing like counts. Yeah. And so I'd be with, I didn't get like a notification or anything. One day they just went away. And I'd go to my friends and be like, do you guys see this? Like, <laughs> you can't see likes on Instagram. And I'd be like, you're crazy. Look, there they are, right there on my phone. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not crazy. <laughs> they're gone. I have it. Yeah. yeah. This guy, I had a super in the weeds comparison. I guess I'll say it anyway. Uh, YouTube after like 15 years of the partner program is updating the contract with all YouTube partners to be modular, to be in different pieces so that you have the revenue share program for long form oh. and the revenue share program for shorts. And oh. if you don't update, you lose revenue sharing period. So they're modularizing their contract which makes sense because now they can just yeah. add new modules. Yeah. And if you want to do revenue share for shorts, sure, sign that one. If you want to do this new feature that comes in the future, sure, sign that one. And just like Android features, you could just update them as you go. Uh, but you do at some point have to make the leap to this new structure, which is like everyone has signed the signed contract for a bazillion years. And now we're just going to have to flip a switch. And if you don't flip the switch, you're out in the cold. Flip the switch, creators. Look in YouTube Studio. There's a new contract. You have to sign it. You have a deadline. Oh, um, I didn't even know that. Yeah, you'll see it. <laughs> if you don't log in, you won't see it, but you have like six months. Oh, okay. So you'll see it. Do that. Anyway, that does remind me, though, of um, what Apple's... There's been a couple headlines recently about what Apple's maybe going to do, which we see these all the time. Yeah. But these headlines are about the iPhone. One of them is about Apple potentially making their own cellular Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chip, which would report which would replace the different chips that they buy from Qualcomm and Broadcom, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's an Apple-made chip that does these things. And then another was about like them making their own screens, I think. Custom displays for phones and watches, yeah. which if you don't already know, right now, Apple buys Samsung displays for the iPhone. Every iPhone is a display made by Samsung, basically. Yeah. And so as Apple continues to take back parts of their machines. We saw how well Apple Silicon did for Apple because now they don't depend on Intel chips anymore. This is like the last few breadcrumbs of completely owning the entire pipeline and supply chain for the iPhone and not being dependent on anyone for any parts of the iPhone, which is good for Apple. For now. For now. And we'll see if there are potential downsides to that and how that works. But that means they have a lot of control. Yeah, there's a great nerd writer video called like why Apple needs Samsung. And it's sort of, it's about the fact that so many of the companies that you think about every day, their main revenue driver is not necessarily their mm -hmm. products. Oh, yeah. It's the fact that they are the best at one thing and they sell everyone else like the B tier version of their best thing. Mm -hmm. So they give Apple all their, probably their actually best screens because Apple's way, willing to pay a premium for them and they don't really care because they make so much money. Sony, the IMX sensors that are in like every single every smartphone. Every smartphone yeah. that you know has meanwhile, a Sony sensor in yeah. it. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. they don't really make any money at all on Sony smartphones. Yeah. You know, so if Apple switches to a completely island-based approach, that's like, it could be 
great for their supply chain until they hit a snag and then all of a sudden the whole thing crumbles. Yeah. Um, Tim Cook is a supply chain guy, so I assume he knows what he's doing. That's what makes it so interesting. I think sometimes I hear about like, a, like we were talking with Shen about this. I don't even think it was on the podcast, but we'll casually drop like, oh yeah, I remember that part that we were trying to get for them. They were sort of really limited, so we ended up dual, dual supplying it. We got it from two different OEMs. And I'm like, oh yeah, you can just like get two of the same radio from two different companies and hopefully they work about the same. And sometimes that works or sometimes it becomes like a huge deal. You know, people don't want the Exynos Samsung phone. Yeah. They want to make sure they get the Qualcomm one because they're such different phones now. So you have to be careful about supply chain stuff. And if you supply, if you get everything from one supplier, that's a lot of dependence yeah. on that working every time. I remember this happened to, I don't know if it was an iPhone or of like a OnePlus phone or something where they had, there was some sort of silicon lottery around either RAM or storage. And it was like, this phone's storage is half the speed of the other OnePlus 6 that you could have randomly got. And you, you don't- Check your serial number yeah. to figure out which one well, you got. Steam Deck yeah. just did something similar too, right? With oh, yeah. the fans on it. Oh, right. Uh, like yeah. the cooling system was essentially, some of them were being affected and louder and getting affected by like magnets in the back mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, yeah. And I, we've seen screens in the past too where it's not the same device, but wasn't it a Pixel and a Pixel XL had two different- uh, screen manufacturers mm -hmm. and yeah. one had like a severe shift like green shift on it yeah. and, and people would always literally find like oh i'm having problems with my pixel it looks different and then eventually enough data shows up on reddit that you can mm -hmm. sort of figure out like oh if you have the serial number that ends in this or if you have the model number that looks like this then you got this supplier for your screen versus the other one sometimes you never notice these dual supply dual supplied things and sometimes it's a big deal yeah. for the object so yeah yeah, Apple, I guess theoretically with this is reducing that risk. For all we know, they have had multiple suppliers for parts in the past, but Tim Cook's a wizard and we never noticed these things. But Apple controlling it all, it's good for Apple. Yeah, it's good, it's good for, for Apple, Apple until they hit a supply chain snag and then they have no one to fall back on. Yeah, but I kind of want to make a video like putting all of this, like structuring this, because I think it's really fascinating how, how much we don't think about the supply chain behind the product that you buy and use every day. Mm -hmm. Like we think of the iPhone as like the thing Apple made. Oh, Apple screens are better than these other people's screens. Well, it's like there's a complicated relationship yeah. there. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a longer story than just the screen. Those Apple doesn't Samsung even make it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those yeah. Are actually Samsung screens are Foxconn parts and they're actually giving you the best ones because you'll pay them the most. Yeah, which yeah. is also funny because like Sony makes all the sensors for everyone's best cameras and then they made a phone and it has one of the most difficult to use cameras yeah. and not the best camera experience. Yeah. I think that's why I was so ready for, well, that was the funny part about red hydrogen. Yeah. It's because red makes cameras. Yeah. And what did they do with their camera? They bought an off the shelf Sony sensor. <laughs> yeah. <and> it was <laughs> a bad camera. Yep. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on this. Obviously Apple's not gonna, well, I was gonna say Apple is not gonna tell us in their next keynote what they change suppliers on, but maybe they do make it, they'll, they'll make Three like a big deal about now. <laughs> They'll say something like we the we made these Apple innovations iPhone. and that like streamline the process of our chips and blah blah blah. They'll say it, but I think it's up to us to keep an eye on how that actually affects the iPhone. I think this also in here says that the target was twenty twenty four but could slip until twenty twenty five. So it might not be something we see for a little while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. I feel like the chip shortage was just like a wake up call to them. And they were like, We need to get our own stuff in line for the next time this happens. Even before the chip forward. shortage, like the every problem Samsung. with an Intel MacBook Pro oh, true. for so many years was like, 
in the background, I'm sure every year Apple is like, I can't wait to get rid of these yeah. guys. Yeah. I can't wait to get rid of For these sure. guys. Well, it's, so. it was also like we talked about when Google made started making Tensor chips. It's like you once you hit scale and you recoup your R&D costs, you can actually charge so much less because you know the amount of like licensing fees and like upselling that like Qualcomm is doing. Yeah, that's the other insane thing. Insane amounts of money. The They're, price of your gadget depends on the price that you get from your suppliers. Yeah. And if, if you're you able to supplier. do your do your R&D, get this crazy scale and then lower the price, they could lower the price no. of the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean increase profit more margin. Profits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means more profits for You Apple. sweet summer children. <laughs> yeah. For a second, I was like, lower price? I like how everyone collectively was like, yeah, yeah no, that's more money. Just more money market. in their pockets. But yeah. that's, you know, that's something we'll keep an eye on. It's yeah. maybe worth a video. Let yeah. me know in the comments if it's worth a video or if you want it to be uh, structured in a, in a way that you could share you with your parents short. or something. In a short? 60 seconds. <laughs> Lord, I've never spoken that fast. Um... I think that's about it for this this week and a surprising amount of tech news and topics to talk about. Before we wrap up, though, I have a whiteboard next to me. Do you have a whiteboard? Oh, right. We have our whiteboards. It's trivia answers time. Trivia time. Got a pen. So, you. Yeah, yeah. the first question, while everyone gets their markers in order. Yeah. What was Teenage Engineering's first product? Should I want I, the name. The name of it. The name of it. It's okay. Take your time. This is no pressure. This is kind of a shot in the dark. Y'all wrote yours already. I think yeah. Mark has and I have the same thing. Possibly. All right, flip them and read them. Okay, we all have the same. We all we wrote all... OP one. Oh, oh okay. congratulations! Yeah, nice. Nice. Oh, you guys but you don't know what it is. <laughs> you don't know what it is. It's audio related. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's maybe. Let me guess. It's a synth, that. right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The okay. most beautiful. It's synth. so gorgeous. See, I wasn't sure if that was the first one because it's the only thing from them I can name. <laughs> we so, have one at same. the desk. Yeah, no, we have one. That's the, not, only, that's the only one that I know. We're I, not an OP1. We have the OPZ. Yeah, OPZ. Like, that's a different Oh, you're saying that's yeah. a, oh, Yeah, like we have, have another product. Okay. Right. I would have thought it would be called like the TE one, like Teen Engine Engineering one or something. I mean, it's a good name for yeah. a first product, OP1. Yeah. That's pretty sick. What does OP stand for? Overpowered. <laughs> original. <laughs> original product. Uh, I believe it stands oh. for operator in this case. Oh, I like that. It was overpriced. Yikes. <laughs> All of the above are true. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. And a second question. Oh, boy. Ellis, this take it away. What do Facebook, Vimeo, and OkCupid all have in common? I hate that you guys are writing. I have no idea. This is one of those answers that I'm writing down where I've accepted that I don't know the answer that they want from me, so I came up with a different one that might also be true. Is this going to have to be like every Ellis saying everybody like, well, that's right, but not what I was looking yeah. for. So. I'm hoping that's what happens. There's a uh, there's a high chance that, that that's the way this... Uh... We're, we're discluding it oh. can't be... They're not all apps. They're not all websites. Where he said God. something about the business. Oh, something about the business. They're all businesses. Mark has. I'm not accepting. They all that make answer. money. Oh, about also, I think it's wrong. I might be right. <laughs> something Maybe. about the business. I might be wrong. All right, did you write one? Yeah, but now I have. Um... <laughs> Let's just all get this wrong in spectacularly creative ways. I just want to like catch up with you guys. Okay, I mean, I think this is a fair enough guess, but I know it's probably wrong. Okay, so. Yeah. Flip him and read. Oh, Wait, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I don't think okay. anyone will give me heat for like making this guess, but it's probably not what you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. I'm very interested in what you wrote now. I'm gonna give you heat. Okay. All right, let's go. This is wrong. Flip there we go. 
California HQ oh. founded the same year. Those are different. Founded things. the same year. Well, <laughs> I said <laughs> all backed by answers. the same person. Okay, so Duh. I wrote California H- HQ, showed it to Ellis, and he said, I'm not going to give you credit. So I changed it to founded even... the same year. Oh, oh, no, that is right. Hey. Oh. Nice. I put founded Damn. the same year. That's also right. Hey. Nice. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to guess what year that was? That's Wait, can I guess what year? Yeah, let's all try to. Th- okay. Say the companies no. again. Facebook, Facebook, Vimeo, Vimeo. and OK. We're writing it down. Sure, well, for fun. Sure, for fun. Bonus, bonus, no uh, points. Bonus, Jonas. <laughs> the bonus. The Jonas. bonus, Jonas. The best, Jonas. <laughs> Edward Jonas. Okay, so MySpace. Let me do. The, let me do the social math here. I was in eighth grade, and I graduated in eleven. Twenty seven, two thousand seven. So. Oh wait, yeah. Shows at least I thought it was the wrong. I'm gonna go. I was kind of late. I'm gonna go with this. Late bloomer. Uh, Vimeo. Okay. Wait, was YouTube in there? No. no. Oh, that messes up everything for me. <laughs> okay. Facebook, Vimeo, Vimeo and I. Okay, okay Cupid. Cupid. Yeah, Facebook, Facebook Vimeo, and OK Cupid. Vimeo, and OK Cupid. Now Meta. Vimeo. No, OkCupid. no Meta. Well, it's still Facebook technically. Oh yeah. Meta so. was founded in 2020. Fair. Um, answer. Think later than that. No, that was a virtual keynote. It was a virtual keynote. Yeah, but it was after oh, 220. God, it's gotta have been late, earlier. It was like last year. Wasn't okay, it? Cupid was like one of the two, first two years ago. Dating apps on Maybe the it was internet. But Facebook was, was the first virtual MetaConnect. There's so many it conversations. It might have been 2020. Sorry. <laughs> All right, I am gonna. No, it was, I'm it gonna was stick with my original answer. Okay. I'm gonna stick with my original answer. 2022. Yeah, 2024. I think. They did two in Meta keynote 2022. No, but. Yeah, but switching the brand to Meta. Meta I think it was 2020, right? 2021 was the rebrand. What is it? I thought it was 2020. October 2020? Or was it 21? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the end. I appear to have forgotten we're recording a podcast. Was it really 2021? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, wow. You're right. End of October 2021. Okay. It's because we had a whole year in between. All right. What's your answers? I said 2005 also. We all said said 2005. Was it 06? It was 04, baby. I I wrote it and I erased it. I almost. Well, luckily, none of us got any points from that. I don't think we would have anyway, right? Yeah. Well, either way. Unless I got it right. That's been fun. Thank you for uh, for hanging with us, and uh, thank you United for still getting me here in time to actually do this podcast. Appreciate you. Props. We'll catch you guys very soon in the next episode. See you later. Bye. Waveformers produced by Adam Alita and Ellis Rovin. We are partnered with Vox Media Podcast Network, and our outro music was created by Vane Silk.